0: This is a presentation of the Trine Broadcasting Network, part of the Center for Sports Studies at Trine University. Learn more at trine.edu. Welcome to the Center for Sports Studies podcast. My name is Brandon Podgorski, professor of sport management at Trine University, and I want to welcome you to this week's podcast. On today's podcast, we have a recorded interview with mental performance coach and brute strength athlete Lauren Tate. We discussed her background as a multi-sport athlete, the inspiration for her book, *Feed the Athlete, and her strategies for life and athletic success. I hope you enjoy. Lauren, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, welcome. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, it's our pleasure. And anytime we can bring a a trying alumni on who's out doing great things, Uh, we're always really excited about that. So you know, we were introduced from our athletic director, Matt Land, here at Trine, and he thought you would be a, a great one to have in the show, just with your background as an athlete and a mental performance coach. So tell us a little bit about your background as, as, as an athlete, if you want to do that, and, and a coach and, and what you're doing now.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, background as an athlete. Let's, let's start there. So I think it's safe to say I've never really lived one day on this earth without being a quote unquote athlete, right? It's kind of who I've always been. Um, I definitely was the daddy's girl growing up. So, put a ball in my hand or find a find a body of water, give me a mountain, and I'm gonna find a way to turn it into a sport. Um, high school really quick. I was a three sport athlete, so always busy, always traveling, really um, encompassing the identity of what it means to be a student athlete. Then I found my way to Trine University. I was very grateful to have the opportunity to be both a soccer and a basketball player simultaneously while I was at Trine. So. Definitely was busy, learned all about time management there, right? Um, So that was a lot of fun. And then after I graduated college, I, you know, kind of was trying to figure out how to fill that void since it's really something I had always done, right? I had always been um, training to compete or, you know, game day prep or out of season prep or game film, whatever it might be. And that's when I walked into my very first CrossFit gym, brought fit club down in Indianapolis. Absolutely fell in love with the sport did everything I could to become competitive in that sport. And I did find my way to competing both at local competitions and in the sport of CrossFit. We have these big things called sanctionals, which really gives you a big platform to go and win prizes, win some money maybe if you're top tier, um, live stream on YouTube and other media platforms, right? So I was able to go down to Wadapalooza in Miami, Florida um, in January, 2020. And now I have transitioned over in a full-time Olympic weightlifter under the owner of Bruce Strength and also my coach and my mentor. And basically, he's just awesome. His name is Matt Bruce. So I have found my way into the sport of Olympic weightlifting as a competitive athlete now. So that's really the summarized uh, version of my athletic career thus far.
0: You know, you've been able to take some of those experiences you've had as, as an athlete, and now you're an author, you, you've uh, published, I know, two books that I, that I know of, and um, you've got some on the way with, with the company that you're running. So tell us a little bit about your background in the um, mental performance coaching.
1: Kind of like I said with the whole never really living a day without being an athlete, I really found that when I started coaching athletics, so I, you know, I was a Little League soccer coach, and then I went and coached um, varsity basketball down at Southport High School when I was getting my master's. And I found that I became fascinated with how to make people better athletes without the actual basketball, if you will, or soccer ball in their hands or in their feet. So for me, that's really when something started to resonate that there's something bigger out there than just what athletes can do in a weight room or what they can do on the basketball court or on the soccer field. And it wasn't really until I started looking back at my personal athletic career and going, Oh my gosh, I could have been 10 times the athlete Mm -hmm. that I ever was because lacked confidence and didn't know really how to eat because of body image. And, you know, I went through a lot of trauma in my family and just things that you don't really know how to deal with that you don't realize in the moment are actually holding you back from being the athlete that you can be. And, A lot of, you know, I just started to develop this awareness that kids starting young age and then high school and then college and even professional, there's not really a lot of accessible tools out there um, that one can just pull out of their back pocket and immediately get a boost of confidence, right? Or know how to focus rather than being so distracted. So when I was developing my own niche, if you will, in the coaching world as a sports coach. I found that the mindset was something that was just so true to me um, and it just really came naturally. And I went to life coaching school. That's really when I started to look internally and let's focus on our energy and put good energy back out in the world. I realized that there was other avenues than the only thing that I knew, which was go back to school, get a degree and go about it that way. Right. I ended up moving to Salt Lake City 2018. And I walked into a gym owner's name of Nick Fowler, who is the strength and conditioning coordinator for Brute Strength. And he had us go through a CrossFit workout. But before he had us go through that workout, he made us sit down for 15 minutes. He talked to us. I mean, it was like the best motivational speech ever. But what he made us do is they closed our eyes and visualize the type of athlete that wanted to be during the workout. And that was the moment where it all clicked. And I really decided to just, you know, kind of. Tie my shoes up really tight and go full send, if you will, um, into this into this coaching modality, and now I'm here.
0: It's like the old quote from from Bobby Knight, the, the mental is the physical is, as four is to one. And, you know, reading through mm-hmm. you know, Feed the Athlete, you know, I, I'm already a pretty highly motivated person, but, you know, it was, every now and then I kind of need that kick in the butt too and have to kind of go back and, yeah. and check myself. You know, you, you said you were in Indianapolis getting your master's. Were you studying sports psychology or, or what was kind of the academic side or maybe some of the research that you did where... You're like, you know, I can take some of these experiences that I've had and these things that I've learned, match it up with what I'm learning right now, you know, on the academic side, and then put it together in in these really kind of easily bite-sized chunks.
1: Um, When I was going to get my master's, it was in sport management. So at that point in my life, I had just graduated from trying. After that, went and got my master's, as I said, in sport management, but I still could not make life behind a desk work. Mm-hmm. Um, it was very, very, very challenging for me. So a lot of the reading, a lot of the book work, a lot of that type of skill work is just something that I lacked a lot of focus in at that time in my life. And so again, as I'm learning about myself, I was really again starting to realize, okay, what what was missing from my athletic career? And I I used a big chunk of my creative side of my brain for what I do and and as i really started to develop the awareness that you know not everything has to be as it always was like we can we can make new tools and we can write new books and athletes can do new things and us coaches can provide new material that's never been there before we really have to tap into this creative side and i you know i'm taking bits and chunks of pieces of of the things that i'm learning on um, both in my undergrad and my masters and you know i read every day so i'm reading you know my my Amazon card, if you will, or my, my Barnes and Noble tab. It's uh, it's pretty hefty with, with books. And I just love how authors are able to talk about the same thing, but they write it 500 different ways. And so I think my book feed the athlete is just another avenue for that. Um, but I really got the inspiration from all the amazing professors and coaches and mentors and authors that have already really laid the platform for me to be able to write this book up and just put it out there as well, hoping you know, it's going to speak true to other athletes um, that are very creative, like myself, because a lot of the bookwork that I was doing, it just didn't resonate with me. It was very old school, or it was almost too far above my personal vocabulary, if you will, it made it really hard for me to digest, which is kind of why I went the approach with the Feed the Athlete book that I did Um, Because it was really a language that everybody knew how to speak, which is food. As if you've read the book, you kind of know that it's all about food.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll talk about that. So kind of walk us through the the daily menu with with breakfast, lunch, and dinner in Phoebe Athlete. Because I thought that was, again, like you said, that was a really simple thing for me to pick up on, you know, kind of starting with, you know, the motivation and and ending with focus. I'm like, the easiest things in life are really the most profound things in life. They can be simple. They don't necessarily have to be really difficult.
1: That's really where Feed the Athlete came about. Um, before I really started diving into men performance coaching, a lot of my focus was on nutrition. Um, I went and got a certification in nutrition. I was obsessed with how can I help women in sport and life better fuel their bodies because I was somebody as an athlete that completely malnourished myself without really knowing, but I found out that it was really society's perception how I should eat and how I should look and the more I started doing nutrition coaching for a little bit I always came across all these mindset tools like it was it wasn't about food it was about the mindset approach for food and so I really started to apply those same tools and ways of thinking into my mental performance coach which is how Feed the Athlete came about because I'm just thinking to myself how can we as athletes feed ourselves better like, let's take everything away. Let's take away what we eat, how we train, like what's left. Your mindset matters, point blank, period. So that's kind of where Feed the Athlete came up. I really, I really wanted people to know that you as an athlete, it just doesn't come from food or just doesn't come from the weight room. Like it comes from how you're feeding yourself mentally. And food is a language that every single person in this entire world knows, right? Like everybody knows that breakfast, lunch, and a dinner, we all eat every day unless you're fasting and that's either a part of your religion or a part of your lifestyle. But at the end of the day, we're all eating at some point one way or another. So I just really wanted a language that everybody could understand. And that was very elementary because even though I may speak a certain way or I may be able to write a certain way, my vocabulary Every you know, in a normal conversation, it's not very, it's not very high, and so I want to be able, you know, to really relate to other readers or other athletes or other people that need simplicity. Um, because as you mentioned, kind of the most things that we feel are super complex. If we just make them simple and we tap into that creative side of ourselves, um, the book, right, breakfast, lunch, and dinner is what it's broken down to. Mm-hmm which I think is really is really fun because breakfast is all about belief. Chapter one is all about how the first meal of your day is breakfast, which is AKA belief. And I think without belief, you're going to be very low on energy throughout your entire day. Your alarm gets up and you don't believe that you can just not hit the snooze button. That's a tough day ahead of you. Like no matter how you look at it, if you don't believe that you can be the best version of yourself on an, on a meeting at 11 o'clock, you're going to have a really crummy morning where, you know, the the way you type your emails out or the types of things you do in the gym or whatever it might be um, they're just not going to flow very well so breakfast is all about belief which is it's really focused around self-confidence so i talk about that i throw some um some articles in there and some data in there that i've, I've pulled out from reading and and every chapter also comes with three interactive tools Cause it's an ebook, right? So you can just click and you can interactively do a worksheet that I've created for you to just help you really um, increase the belief within yourself right there on the spot. And then you can continue to practice and implement that into your life. And so, you know, kind of the same thing with, with the lunch, which is all about joy. But I think you first have to believe in yourself in order to really know what it means to feel joy. Um, and joy for me is not happiness. I see those as two different things. Everybody always says, you know, well, just be happy. Like just be happy, I just want to be happy, but when you actually feel joy, like your body changes, it's that permanent smile on your face, your hands start doing things, you get butterflies in your stomach, you become so immersed and present in the moment, like right where your feet are at, nothing else matters, it prevents burnout, it allows you to get to that dinner strong it's It's a wonderful tool to refuel your mind, your body, and your spirit, everything, and so that's why joy is lunch, and I just think without joy, without being able to find the little moments of joy throughout your day. It's going to be really challenging to make it through the end of the day on a great note because you'll always hear people maybe with nutrition or even with sport. I do really good in the morning and then I'm okay in the afternoon. And then I just, I eat anything I want and I eat all the dessert. Right. And I just really think it's a missing component of joy that allows people to feel not as good as they can towards the end of the day. And then, um, Last chapter is dinner, which is all about focus. Um, And I just think without focus, you might start the next day off feeling very quote unquote malnourished. So that's why focus is really at the end of the day. I think it's a wonderful way to take a step back, know that it's you versus you, even though our society and the media and social media and all of this stuff we're taking in every day makes us feel like it's us versus everybody else. It's constantly you versus you. So with my athletes, especially in the sport of CrossFit, you know, individual CrossFit athletes, if you will, these events are set up in individual lanes. And if you have enough time to look at what other people are doing, you're not working hard enough and you're not really focused on the job that you need to get done. So I always tell people like your dinner is staying in your own lane. Like you have to be able to really be strong at this skill of focus because it's just going to help you start the next day off with a much better breakfast than maybe the day before. Right. Um, So that's kind of the breakdown of breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And, you know, like I said, it's just, it's a language that everybody knows how to relate to. So, you know, the next day, they might have a really strong breakfast. So they are be like, oh, man, I, um, Lauren's in the back of my head. Like, I know it's lunchtime. Maybe I should find a little moment of joy today. And what I want, right? I I positively want to be in everybody's head all the time while they're eating food.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's never a bad place to be, I guess. Right, yeah, exactly. Uh, So how do you deal with that athlete? I I found the breakfast one really intriguing when we're talking about motivation. How do you deal with that athlete who you know, may want to do something, but just kind of lacks that belief or confidence. So I'll, I'll give you an, an example, and, and maybe right. this is a, a slow pitch softball question, <laughs> but um, so I'm a runner I, and I'm not very fast. I'm, I'm built for basketball. I'm 6'3", 220, so I, I'm not, you know, blazing the course, but mm-hmm. um, I'm about a five hour um, marathon runner, but like my, I've got a goal to one day run Boston. And if mm-hmm. that's the case, I'm going to have to figure out a way to shave an hour and a half of my time. I believe that, that I can do that with enough time and enough training that could happen. Mm-hmm. However, I would love to play in the NBA, but they don't need a 40-year-old guy who can't jump anymore, right? <laughs> so there's some things that are way out in left field that it yeah. doesn't matter how bad I want it, it's not going to happen. But then there's others that it's a really lofty goal and it's extraordinarily tough and there's going to be failure along the way. But if I could just get my mind to that right place... I could probably do it because others have before. So, you know, right. how do you deal with somebody like that who's just, oh man, boy, this is going to be really tough. I don't think I can do it. But if I just <laughs> had that right kick in the butt, I could make it. This
1: type of scenario comes up all the time. And I think, you know, it really starts with okay, we need to make sure that the goals that you're setting for yourself are legitimately goals that are not only tangible, but that. You know what sacrifices come along with them. That's Mm. where I see so many people fall short. Accidentally, they they're not doing it on purpose. But you know, I like you. I want to run. I want to run this Boston Marathon. And so, you know, we kind of have to talk about first. Let's just talk about what a a day in the life. Are you willing to make those sacrifices? Is your life even equipped for you to be able to to reach that goal? If yes, awesome. Like let's do it. Let's create an action plan. Let's go. Um, But if no. Let's restructure that goal so that you're actually reaching after something that's not going to make you down in the dumps every single day, right? Because, that, because you probably would never be able to reach it because it may not really fit with where you are in, in your life and you may not be able to make those sacrifices. So for me, I think that's always step one is making sure that people and athletes are aware of what they're trying to do so that they're not accidentally setting themselves up for failure because I truly believe that we are what we are seeking we are exactly right now in this moment who we want to be. We just kind of have to navigate, dust off some cobwebs and fine-tune some skills, right? So it's always great to be aware of if your goals are even tangible and you're, you're in tune with the sacrifices. Second thing that I would do for this type of athlete is I would just set smaller goals. Mm-hmm. Some people need something that they can check off that box every day. Mm-hmm. Other people maybe every week. Some people want to do like a monthly goal. Mm-hmm. So I think it's really important to go into this knowing that you are your own you and that you don't have to take someone else's recipe for how they got somewhere. You owe it to yourself to start from ground zero and like build a strong foundation based upon you as an individual. So if you were my athlete, right, we'd probably set some small goals, whether that's time goals, nutrition goals. When you really start seeing like, Oh man, I checked that one off the list and I checked that one off the list and Oh shoot. Like I really can do this. Look how many goals I've reached in the past six months. Now my big goal, doesn't seem as challenging as it did, but you know, another avenue, which I put in my book is I really encourage athletes who have lofty goals or who, you know, kind of struggle with that motivation or that self-confidence and belief in themselves to look back at challenging things that they have overcome. Because Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the most simple things that we all forget to do is looking back in on our life. I think a lot of us fear the past or we're ashamed of it or you know, we're always so focused on the future that we don't really take in present moments for what they are. And now they're in the past and they're just in this box, you know, of pictures that haven't been printed off, like just stuck on our phones. Right. Um, So I, I really encourage people to go in your past and look at the things that you've accomplished or look at the things that you've overcome. And you know, that in itself will kind of make you feel a certain way. Like, wow. I I really can do this look look at all the stuff that I've already done that in the moment Yeah, I was terrified and I was scared and I may have failed and I may have hit all of these roadblocks But eventually I either reached that goal or I discovered something deep within myself And that and that was that was what I needed It wasn't really the goal I was chasing after is I was trying to find something within myself and I found it
0: And now I am where I'm at right do you think that works pretty well with the athletes that, that you've worked with, especially, you know, I, I, th- I think about CrossFit athletes who are extraordinarily motivated, um, really hard workers, very um, goal oriented, to kind of focus on those process goals other than outcome goals. So, you know, even if I don't win this competition or I don't hit this certain time or whatever it is, you know, is there a certain sense of satisfaction And kind of, as you said, going along the way and it's like just checking them off, checking them off, checking them off. And then maybe one day I keep working, working, working. Um, That next year I'll hit that big goal.
1: I think it's safe to say that every athlete is completely different. However, Mm -hmm. the sport of CrossFit specifically, I love and I I don't love this about the sport. (laughs) It is very focused on numbers and times and a leaderboard. So a lot of the athletes I work with I have to really help them understand that if you don't get on the podium, you don't have the strongest deadlift or clean and jerk or whatever it might be. You're still a phenomenal individual. <laughs> um, your time and your numbers and this or that or the other, like that doesn't define you as an athlete. And it definitely doesn't define you as a person. What what defines you, right, is is you appreciating the journey and how you're choosing to overcome those obstacles. So, yes, Almost all of my athletes that I work with, we have that conversation about, you know, how does a leaderboard make you feel? How does it feel not to come in first all the time? And the announcer never announces your name because you're in sixth and you're not in second or whatever that might be. And and I think that's the beauty of helping people see that there's so much more um, than just getting first, second, or third or um, being the top tier athlete. Like, what about you not being able to walk on your hands? CrossFit athletes walk on their hands. So whoever's (laughs) listening, if you don't know that, I'm rolling with it because it already came out. You know, a lot of CrossFit athletes, when they start the sport, they can't walk on their hands. So me as a basketball Mm -hmm. and a soccer player, when I would fall, I would fall so hard because I was not graceful. Like I was was taught to hit and to make contact, not point my toes and focus. So you kind of help athletes look at okay, look what you couldn't do a year ago. Like you couldn't even walk on your hands, 50 feet. And now you can walk up and down ramps in circles, do three sixties, do all this stuff. And so that's the beauty of the little small goals. That's the beauty of helping athletes focus. But you have to find joy lunch, right? You have to find joy in everyday training or every single week because CrossFit, it is a nitty gritty sport. And you go in that gym and there's a lot of tears and there's a lot of different emotions that go on. Some days you feel great, some days you don't, uh, which is why I'm so passionate about being a mental performance coach in this sport because I've seen it so much where athletes can get burned out so fast Mm -hmm. because all they're focusing on is that end goal rather than those small goals that will help them build that confidence.
0: And I'll switch gears just a little bit and go back to something you said a little while ago, but uh, you brought up body image and i think you talked about social media Mm -hmm. Um, i wonder how much social media kind of plays into some of the work that you do because it's one thing kind of talking about these process and outcome goals that we have but i think it's really easy for athletes whether they're competitive or recreational athletes to get caught up in comparing themselves to somebody else or you know just even with our our college athletes yeah you know you're an 18 year old kid you miss a field goal and now you get death threats on social media which blows my mind I, I just I don't understand that um, but then again I'm, I'm a little bit older than than what our athletes are right now who are going through it so I'm just wondering if you've ever had to experience that um, working with you know as an athlete yourself working as a coach or what would be some things that you've talked about as a coach with your athletes who who get caught up in those comparisons
1: yeah I see this I see this too often mm. um, and it's a uh, This is a topic that I'm actually trying to figure out something creatively to, to come up with to specifically help young women in sports and just women in general. Um, CrossFit tends to make women look a certain way. um, And I deal with it. Like I get comments and I get ridiculed and I get body shamed for looking too masculine um, all the time or looking that I don't fit the mold or I bet you're a size 14 rather than like a size four dress and, horrible things. Yeah, like people in this world, unfortunately, just are not very kind. But mm-hmm. I don't think that that should take away from the hard work that I'm that I'm putting in every single day to live a to live a lifestyle a certain way that's actually very incredibly healthy. And I use Olympic weightlifting to not only be a better coach, but it's a healing mechanism for myself. So it's kind of very, very challenging for me emotionally, and mentally, when people buy shame me for for doing something that I'm actually giving back to myself. And so I see a lot of this and I mean, I do see this in a lot of my male athletes. I think it's important to just make voice of that, um, you know, in on this podcast is men deal with body image just as much as women do. I think women just for whatever reason, it's just voiced much more. There's this perfect body that all women are supposed to have where guys, not, not so much, you know, I'm, um, Well, at least in my eyes, right? But, you know, for for a lot of the women that I have, this sport is very focused on numbers and very focused on times and very focused on look at how much I lifted today or look at this benchmark workout I did and I'm better than so-and-so. And so so one thing I do is I make my athletes screenshot to me their Instagram usage time. And I hold them accountable to, you know, I, I kind of revert back. I had an athlete that literally could not could not stop watching social media. And it was it was destroying him. And he, he doesn't do it anymore. So if he's listening, he is going to go so far this season, because we've really been able to kind of take social media out of his life, Um, which at first he was kind of skeptical about. But I was like, Okay, the only way I know how to hold you accountable is every other day, I'm going to make you screenshot your Instagram usage on your phone, you can't hide it, your app tracks it. And from there, we just started cutting back—five minutes a day, or ten minutes a week, or whatever—and now he does maybe ten minutes a day of social media, uh, Instagram scrolling, and it—it it saved his. I, I say saved, and I think that's a strong word, but I do mean it. I think it saved him in the sport to just stop worrying about what other people are doing and focus more on himself because. If you go out there on that competition floor, and again, if you have enough time to look at all the other athletes, then like you are not focusing enough on yourself and and what you're capable of and your capabilities. And that doesn't come from, you know, physical strength that all comes from your mind. So I do that type of thing with, um, with some of my athletes comes down to really digging into their past. You kind of being in, in the psychology realm, right? Like you can appreciate this. But I, I just asked people to really be vulnerable and kind of open their floodgates for me. And, you know, when's the first time you remember not wanting to eat food or comparing yourself to other girls or starting to wear makeup because other people wanted you to wear makeup. And, you know, I, I worked and I'm working with a gentleman who was late forties that can remember at 15 years old. And we have had to work back from who he was as a 15 year old kid to where he is now as a late forties. Um, man and just help him kind of rebuild his self-confidence and not worry, not compare himself so much. So I think it's safe to say through all my rambling here that every single athlete is going to deal with the brutality on social media differently. And it is so important to make sure that you treat those individuals as individuals with that specific issue, because some of it is just numbers based and I should be lifting this and others of it could be a serious issue and just make sure that you're giving them the tools and the, and the love and the consistency and the accountability that they need to help them overcome that because social media is only getting more and more and more and more in everybody's lives. It's how businesses are run now, you know, and it's just, it's kind of taking over in a sense. So I think that goes back to, right, having athletes focused on small goals, you know, and if that means, Let's set a goal not have as much social media usage this week, then that's a very important one to make sure that we bring to the surface and and we, we hit that goal.
0: You were talking about body image and, and not just women kind of having issues and struggles with it, but also men. And I think the mm-hmm. last the last number I saw as I was kind of researching it, um, about 1 in 10 men, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when we think about 10% of the population, um, also struggle with eating disorders. Yeah. And, and I think it's even more than that now. So I think social media plays into it. But for someone like yourself, who's figured out of a lot of these techniques, and now you're professional as far as authoring and coaching, um, push back on me, please feel free. But it seems like maybe inherently, you've got a lot of grit. And I don't know if that's true, or if it's something that you've had to develop over the years. But what about somebody who might not have that necessarily that necessary level of, of grit that you have? Um, are there things that they can do just, you know, I don't want to say tougher and excuse anything they've gone through in life, but just be able to kind of give them the skills to get through the, those hard times.
1: It's, it's funny you bring up this topic. I was talking to a friend of mine, his name's Tony and, uh, he's in the sport of CrossFit. He's a competitive CrossFit athlete and he was talking about grit. And so we were having this conversation and, uh, I wrote it down and he said, you know, don't tell yourself you don't have a grit. It comes in all shapes and sizes and in the most unlikely packages. And I thought that that was the most perfect way. I'm obviously I'm smiling right now, but what a great way to describe grit. I think we all have it within us. I think some people really have to develop the skill of bringing it, bringing it out and digging their roots deep in order to get over some more challenging things. And the grit that I possess and and the way that I speak and the way that I coach, I, you know, I'm a tough love coach, but I love all of my clients and athletes as if they're my own. Um, but the grit that I have developed, you know, I've learned it from from other people, from phenomenal mentors and, and coaches and, and my parents and the resiliency that I've seen people um, just showcase. But I've gone through a lot in my life um, and in my late teens and in my young where I didn't possess this type of grit or I didn't learn how to bring it out of me. Um, things could have gone south pretty, pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And so... I, I um, break my last name out. My last name's Tate T-A-I-T, and I always tell people, and it's in my other book, Amongst the Truth, but through adversity is treasure. And when you can begin to look at any adversity or any challenge that comes your way in life, and you can say, this, this hurts, and this is very painful, and my life feels like it's gonna end, or coach is trying to kill us, or this training <laughs> just sucks, right? When you can take a breath, and realize in that moment, this is going to make me better. I don't know why yet. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know why this is in my life. But when you can say, after all of this, through this whole journey, like, I'm going to find something within myself that I never knew I possessed, that in that moment, when you can finally develop that skill, you will unleash a grit within you that you've already had that you didn't realize that you've had, and you'll be able to tap into it. So I think, again, everyone is so different. But my biggest piece of advice and the thing that I would encourage people to do in order to kind of see where your grit's at is go back to the most recent, most challenging, most adverse time in your life and go back and reflect on it and ask yourself, what was actually the beauty that was within that? Start there. Because I think it's important to recognize that we're all individual people and there's not one tool out there that's going to open the floodgates and be like, oh, there's my grit. Like oh man, I'm I'm going to come out and I'm going to crush days differently. My mindset's going to be different because you know it takes time, but grit can be learned and, and it can be developed. And I think in order to do that, let's first go back on like one of the last, most challenging things you had to go through and let's see what it was about you that got you through that time. And I think that that's where the foundation of your personal grit could probably come from, or you can at least start to become a little bit more self-aware and then it will be, it'll become little, a little bit more a part of your lifestyle, if that makes sense.
0: Absolutely. And, and that's excellent advice. And if <laughs> people want to learn more about you, your mental performance coaching, uh, buy your books, or just kind of follow you online. Where can they find you?
1: Yeah. So Instagram, since I love social media so much, <laughs> I try to make my social media super positive and fun. So check it out. It'll make your day. Uh, that's at Coach Lauren Tate 22 And then Um, You can find a lot of my work on the Brute Strength blog in regards to website and email. My email, if anybody wants to email me, laurentate.life at gmail.com. And and the website is just laurentate.life. So that's that's the best place for people to message me directly or send me an email. I love to get to know anybody and everybody and help them along their journey. Because sometimes all you need is one conversation to change the trajectory, not only of your life, but of your mindset. So um, I'll leave that right there.
0: Well, perfect, and hopefully somebody listening to this podcast is taking some of these tips to heart, and um, you might be changing lives and not even knowing it. So uh, we appreciate having you on today. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, no, thank you so much again for having me. It was great. Uh, it was great catching up and talking about these subjects.
0: It's it's our pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for our next guest in late September. We'd like to say a special thank you to producer Josh Hornbacher for his work behind the scenes. This is the Center for Sports Studies podcast, broadcasting from the Trine Broadcasting Network. For more information about the Center for Sports Studies, please visit trine.edu. Also, be sure to like the Trine Center for Sports Studies on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Trine CSS.